do 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 King Ghidorah. We've got King Ghidra on the boards with that golden sound. Welcome back. It's been months. Ages. Decades. It's been so long. But we're finally back. It's time. I can't believe we're already back here. And, you know, there might be a little bit of a hole in your life right now because (laughs) there's no more football. Um, And we feel the same way. We feel... uh, that it's just like a part of our identity that has disappeared. Finn is completely and, detached from and, reality. And, you know, we're here. Good, bad, more. News, sports. We're here <laughs> to fill that void. We're here for you. And welcome to the spring edition. The spring edition of Good, good bad, news, bad, More. Good news, bad news, more news, sports. sports. But we're back. What sports other than football? Are there other sports? Tennis? No. (laughs) That's not a sport. What's going on in tennis? (laughs) I haven't left my room since football ended. Things have been absolutely... It's been rough. Especially after that ending. And we're going to go into uh, the Super Bowl and everything that happened in that. I mean, shoot, we could even do the playoffs. Two playoffs? Yeah, there's some big moments that we can go into. I know. It seems like ages ago, though. I mean, just to begin... Begin the season with a little impromptu, just kind of casually just gliding into the new season. Because uh, I think this season's gonna be—it's gonna be a growth period. It's gonna be a lot of new things, a lot of new exciting concepts, ideas, concepts that I don't know about you, Finn, but I'm really excited to dive into a new era. Mm. To say, yeah, I mean, it's just—it's nothing but green pastures ahead. And we've got a lot of freedom, a lot of space to work with here. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot more um, because there's less to talk about with football. Right. Uh, we have to explore other areas, you know, not just fantasy football. There's, And, you know, even fantasy basketball. Um, we could have a fantasy basketball episode. But fantasy basketball is almost over. That's true. The championship's coming up, so we kind of missed that window. Is it? For fantasy basketball, because it happens in the regular season. Yeah, um, that's true. So, yeah, I mean, it's... There's not really a lot of fantasy sports to talk about, but, you know, we're not just a fantasy sports show. We're a sports show. That's true. We're good and more. And bad sports. And sports and sports and news. So I'm excited because this is, I feel like this is going to be a great challenge for us as broadcasters, but also us as sports fans too. Because I know Finn, for the listeners at home, Finn is a lot more into basketball than I am. And let me just say, I have been watching more basketball than I ever had in my entire life. And it has already just been such a joy. Just something new to latch on to. Yeah. It's, uh, I've always been a football guy. And... Me too. Being able to experience this new this new sport that obviously a lot of people love it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of new in my basketball journey too. Um, I kind of I started playing like two a year ago, yeah. not even two years ago. Like playing a, seriously, playing seriously. We've all played basketball. I mean, everyone's played basketball. But like, I not really like I wasn't. I didn't really play basketball and not even I, like a rec league. You no, never did that. No, wow. um, I played in high school a little bit, but not like. What do they do up north? <laughs> do they just like fucking fish. Like yeah, they we we carve holes in, <laughs> in the ice, 
and we uh, grab fish with our hands. <laughs> Bare hands. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, I started like watching and I'm kind of in a unique position, I think, because um, my family originally isn't from the U.S. Uh, and also Seattle, where I, I live <laughs> now, oh. doesn't have a basketball team. So there's no real connection for me to any particular team. Um, and like, I didn't watch basketball growing up, so I'm kind of just watching it from a neutral perspective and maybe I can bring some of that to this show. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't really have any specific fandom. I mean, I love the Pistons. I have to cause Detroit sports or whatever, but like, I mean, I, I, since I've been able to perceive knowledge and be sports fan, excuse me, I think they've just been horrible. Well, Except with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin was really cool. And I was like, wow. you were alive when Ben Wallace uh, won a championship. Yeah, I was two years old. That was in 2004. That was the last I time they so. won. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the last time they won the championship. I want to look at the last time Pistons were in the playoffs. Pistons or Because even I don't know this. Yeah, I don't either. Um, after you figure that out, we'll go into our breakdown of the playoffs. Oh, 2019, when they lost in the Eastern Conference first round. That's nice. interesting. That's not that long ago. No, not at all. I didn't expect. Well, actually, that's four years ago. That's not that long. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, enough about that. Let's get into a breakdown, quick breakdown of the playoffs. Some notable things. Some notable trends. Uh, some narratives that came true or maybe didn't come true. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was the, I guess, what was the biggest storyline that you were following in your playoff watching experience? Um, I think the biggest one was probably Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. And, like, cementing his legacy, Yeah, I guess. And safe to say that his legacy has been cemented. Um, <laughs> yeah. Has it? You know, what more does he have to do at this point? I I, I'm, a, I'm a Patrick Mahomes hater. Um, I guess that's that's a good sign, right? Because I fucking hate the guy too now. I hate him. I hated him before this game, um, but I I can't deny like how good he is. Like it's just annoying because it feels like there's nothing anyone can do. No, um, even with a sprained ankle. I mean, he was sprained ankle. He was practically immobile the whole playoffs. I I will say that. Um, the Eagles defensive line that normally looked like incredibly imposing against every other team, Patrick Mahomes didn't really see much of them yeah. um that entire game. Well, so. did you see the the whole sod gate? No. The whole like big controversy. Oh, with the 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 grass. Yeah, like the grass and yeah. the groundskeeper was uh, for the Super Bowl. He's been uh this was his last year as the groundskeeper. Really? He's done every single Super Bowl, and he's always been a Chiefs fan. Like, he, really? he works for the Chiefs normally, and 18% of Chiefs rushing plays resulted in a slip, but 33% of the Eagles plays resulted in a slip. So What does that even mean? It means, let's just say hypothetically on, I think it was specifically on all pressure plays. Let's just, I think that was the correct terminology, where Patrick Mahomes had to shift around the pocket, 33% of... Like it was, there was a thirty-three percent chance that any outside or inside linebacker was slipping, and then for the Chiefs, only eighteen percent of them slipped. How do you? Did they practice knowing that there was going to be. I don't know. That's the that's the conspiracy. Because I, I know conspiracy. one thing that I heard during the game, which was that the Eagles 
changed their cleats during the game, and the, the Chiefs, Chiefs didn't, didn't. Right? Like, the, like, what did they know? So that's interesting. That's what I'm that saying. Very interesting. Maybe the maybe the the groundskeeper gave them like a heads up and was like, "Hey, yeah, I don't know." Uh, that is an interesting little conspiracy, though. Um, One can only assume there are a few factors working in favor of that. Yeah. Um, there's also that awful uh, holding call at the end. Yeah. Well, um, I've kind of I've been going back and forth about this holding call. I don't know how you still feel about it right now. I think I think it's a scenario where there was a hold, you know, like he mm-hmm. did hold him. I don't think that's like, um, like if you look at the footage, like it's true, like he was holding him there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like in the final moments of the Super Bowl and with how limited of a hold it was, like mm-hmm. it wasn't an egregious hold. And holds like that happen on almost like every single play. Right, like there's – if. That would have flew by on any on a lot of plays on and I, any other play. I'll stand by this. I think that the refs threw a foul for it, th- a called uh, holding because Patrick Mahomes overthrew him. Right. That's my theory. My theory is that because they he overthrew him and Patrick Mahomes normally doesn't overthrow. Right. Uh, they just assumed there was holding and there was. Um, but it was very light case of holding. Right. I don't know. Well, this is why a lot of people say, I think this is just kind of a symptom of what the NFL officiating looks like because, I mean, you hear a lot of people talking about the NFL game script, and I've always joked about it, but, like... That was that felt like it. It felt like a game script moment. And it did. Yeah, for, some, for those listening, the terminology game script is that the NFL is scripted and certain games are rigged for various different reasons and Roger Goodell is a mastermind or whatever and the Rothschilds are behind it all whatever I think I think if it if there is such thing as a script it's like a light script yeah if that makes sense well I think this whole narrative of game script is just I think the state of NFL officiating has just kind of leaned more towards heavy scrutiny in yeah certain situations there's just not ambiguous scrutiny if that makes sense like mm. like especially i mean this happened last year with the rams because uh cooper cup missed a i believe it was there were a couple really bad calls at the end right there. like game changing calls yeah where it normally the it would have gone you know it would have gone completely unnoticed but yeah i feel like what i i the thing that did it for me like personally i feel like the hold in the moment i was I was so pissed off. Like I was Me like, too. fucking game script. Oh, great. Yeah. But I was just looking at the pros and like what they were saying. And, you know, I don't feel necessary. I don't feel super duper torn about it. I think I'm more just like it is what it is. And I kind of understand like it was a heavy, big, important play. So, of course, the refs want to make sure that there's a call. Because, like, you know, what's worse, missing a call and like them going on to miss that and kick a field goal. And that's like a tricky fourth down. Like, what's worse for the NFL, if that makes sense? Like, they miss a crucial call or they, you know, kind of maybe take a little bit more liberty and throw the flag. I feel like it's... Is it a missed call? Well, like, that's the thing. If, if let's say, hypothetically, they didn't, what kind of conversation would we be having right now? I think, I think, uh, I always, my, like, sentiments, I feel like always echo, like, the announcers. And I feel like if there is a game script, then the announcers definitely aren't in on it because whenever a call like that happens, like, you can really, like, hear the tone change with the announcers and, like, I, th- I, don't, I think it was Greg... Greg uh, Olson? Greg Olson. The former Panther. Former yeah. Seahawk. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he just said, like, I don't remember what it was, but he just said, like, 
you just kind of sounded disappointed. <laughs> and he was like, you like in a play like that, like you just, I feel like you just got to let that go. Like, um, and I don't know. I feel like in these like really high pressure moments, like it's better almost to let like, almost like, I mean, he said he, he said he didn't love that call. Yeah. The, the direct, the direct quote from sports illustrated was he just, he's, he's like, ah, didn't like that call. Really don't love that call. Yeah. You know? Um, I just feel like it just ruins the moment too. Yeah. Like, like it's such a good game and like, it just like, it feels like it's coming down to the wire and then it ends, but not because one team played better, but because the refs decided to pick up on a call at like this. Cause like there were probably, there were probably at least like 10 calls that would have been exactly like that, that they didn't call. Right. But it was, I feel like just cause of the, I like, I see what you're saying. Cause it's true. It's like, it's so disappointing, especially mm-hmm. with such a big game on the line. It's, it, it's like, Oh really? Like that's how it's going to end. But like, Honestly, I wonder if it's just like a matter of circumstance, you know, because it's a big moment because it's such a big moment and because it was so close too. because it was in the fourth. And like if the Eagles are up like 14, if they're up two scores and, you know, they had like four minutes left, this whole scenario would have happened even if he was held like nobody would give a shit. I just feel like it should be the opposite. I feel like in those high pressure situations, like you just got to like let it go a little bit more. In a weird way, like I think officiating should take a back seat in those situations. Well, yeah, but and unless there's like a really completely like game altering like penalty, like a false start or like a really egregious hold, like right. that wasn't an egregious hold. That was just like a momentary like grasp of his jersey. Well, here's the thing. I think that people are gonna forget about this in a matter of a month. On, like honest to God, it's it seems like it's a big deal right now, but I think it's already fading out of fading out of relevancy. You know what wasn't fading out of relevancy back in 2019 when the Rams and Saints played, and that one Rams defender just absolutely shellacked the Saints receiver. Yeah, on the if I think it was the excuse me, it was the NFC uh, divisional round or whatever mm. it was called. Yeah, and there was no call. Yeah, and so I think that. People got really pissed. Like but that's a little bit more egregious than like a. Well, a that hold. that's the thing. A lot of fans, a lot of Rams fans were like, it wasn't that bad. It was just an accidental contact. And then Saints fans were like, he literally trucked him. I mean, obviously, it's a little late now to give my opinion. Besides the fact it was a no call, and I think that that causes far more trouble than just throwing the flag, even if there's some controversy. Because like it was, it was a hold, and I think if that costed the Chiefs the game. That would have been a whole big, like way bigger shit storm than if they didn't call it. That makes sense. So it's like, I think refs know in that specifically high pressure moment, like we need to make sure that we are alert, know, like playing as fair as possible just to give that desired outcome, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's no right answer. No, definitely um, not. I've seen a lot of good takes, though. I feel like this is kind of throwing a wrench into everything again. I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like it didn't feel like something about that Super Bowl didn't feel fair. Um, No, not at all. uh, And it is what it is. Uh, But that's not the only narrative from the playoffs this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, One that I think kind of flew under the radar, but I think is important to touch on, is that 
the Bills without Brian Dayball, I think they suffer quite a bit. I think Brian Dayball was actually like pretty instrumental in the success of Josh Allen in the Bills offense, right. but now he's on the Giants. Right, who also had a pretty good they run. Ha- too. They had a good run in the postseason, mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones started looking like a really competent quarterback. Right. And I think that is in large part due to Brian Dayball. Right. I mean, if you owned Josh Allen in fantasy, he was great. But I think, again, the eye test, we love the eye test here. I think watching uh, Josh Allen was just not the same. No, he looked it was a little bit more confused, less comfortable. Yeah. And it definitely showed in the playoffs. In did, at yeah. home, yeah. in a snow game. Like, I feel like that's like that was all bills all the way. But yeah. Well, the Bengals are no joke, too. I think people were sleeping on the Bengals a little bit. Yeah. Um, definitely no shade against the Bengals. Not at all. But. Still, I feel like just it didn't look. Uh, what's the word? It just didn't look like the same. It, it didn't looked, look. There's the like a pretty stark difference. I agree. Um, and the Bengals, another narrative. I think the Bengals proved that when they made that Super Bowl run, it wasn't a fluke. No, not at all. Um, and they're a menace, uh, and they're going to be for years to come. I know. I was um, kind of sad that they lost to the Chiefs too, which was too. another good game as well. Yeah, it was a very good game. Um, so. While we're on the AFC, uh, the Jaguars, that was a huge <laughs> one. Oh, my uh, God. And also the Chargers, I guess. Yeah, um, I loved watching that game. I was watching it, too, and it was an insane game was to awesome. watch. I was, um, in, I was in Charlotte visiting my brother, and we were at a, we were at a bar. And yeah. it was just on, and we all just like started huddling around the TV. Yeah. It was and I mean, ridiculous. Trevor Lawrence might have gone from having one of the worst first halves in playoff history to having one of the best second halves in playoff history. Right. Like statistically and also with just like kind of the just I, in general. Just in general, you know, like it was insane. It was ridiculous. It's good to see. I will be honest. That was his first playoff game. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's a completely different franchise this year. Yeah. Compared and to last year. I you know, you got to owe that all to Doug, Doug Peterson. He He's just, a winner. He's a winner. He just has absolutely turned the team around. And Calvin Ridley's back for the Jags. That's right. Right? Oh. Watch out, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and Starvin Marvin with Zay Jones in the bag. It's, I mean, it's not even a really – it's a pretty good wide receiver core, I think. <laughs> like Underrated, maybe. It, like it legitimately is, which is so funny. Christian Kirk really proved himself this year. I, think. <laughs> I know, which was awesome. Like, I was really I was really happy to see that. I remember yeah. a year ago we were talking about oh, – I, I mean, I was completely wrong on him because I just thought it was like – it was like a boundary pushing thing, just to like. Keep but I think it was both. I think the Jags like successfully identified someone who was being capped in their like in their in the, in the offense that they existed in. Yeah. And so they're like, we have this, we have so much money. We see this guy who like we think can do better on our team. Let's throw a ton of money at this guy. Screw over other teams. And now we've got a guy that we think and, is going to be better, and it worked. And it worked. Like it, he literally, exactly he, what happened. He literally was. He literally was the wide receiver one. Like he filled that role. He did. Yeah. He so uh, he survived, survived and thrived. There you go. Yeah. yeah. He like actually did like a genuinely good job for what he's getting paid for. Like ugh, it was great. I was I was really happy to see that. And yeah. Zay it, Jones too. It made Cliff Kingsbury look like an even bigger schmuck than he is right now. Oh my gosh. Cardinals finishing four and thirteen. Yeah, brutal. Holy smokes! Top five pick. Yeah. What? What? Like, what are they gonna do? What are, who are they gonna draft? Like, I. Can't, I think they might trade back. I. I hope so. I mean, this franchise just went from really promising two years ago, just absolutely in the shit. They have right a quarterback now. at least, but I mean, 
Kyler Murray still has his issues is the thing. Like, yeah, I know, um, but I want to. I'm ex- excited to see how Kyler performs without Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Uh, some more narratives. Uh, let's go to the NFC now. Mm. Uh, the Vikings, you're happy about this one. They mm-hmm. fell apart. Yes, they did because um, they were on fraud watch. And I think part of it was that the Vikings aren't as good as their record, which is what you were always saying. Yeah. And part of it is that the Giants were better than their record. Um, or at least a slept-on team. I think that the Giants were better than their record just because they maybe had a sneakier, harder strength of schedule, especially well, in the they latter also, half of the season. They also, I mean, who is Daniel Jones throwing to? <laughs> Kenny Galladay. Not even. Like, he was hurt. <laughs> he got no, he had nothing past It was like him. Darius Slayton and like... It's just, like, it was Wandale, but then he got hurt, and Daniel Bellinger, rookie tight end, he got hurt. Yeah. Um, but also, think think about this. The Giants started off pretty hot. I mm-hmm. believe they went. Saquon was having a monster start to the season. They started 5-2, and two, and then they s- lost to the Lions, mm-hmm. and then the Cowboys. They lost to the Seahawks, too. Yeah, they tied the Commanders, and then they played the Eagles twice, and the Vikings again. So it was just kind of like, they. of course they staggered a little bit. They had a pretty, a, a fairly safe walk into the playoffs, but I feel like that nine and eight record was a little bit of a dampering. Like if the commanders were a little worse and hypothetically the Cowboys, like they would have been 11, 12 more wins and they would have been a little bit more of a revered team, but right. it didn't matter. Right. Cause they just kind of, they shellacked the Vikings, which yeah. was great. It was good to see. And so that's one of them. That's two of the narratives. Uh, the Eagles, I think, were as advertised, mm-hmm. um, and they looked completely dominant up until the Super Bowl. Um, and the Cowboys uh, did what the Cowboys do. Yep. Nothing's kind of changed there. Pretty much um, as expected. Uh, the Niners, I feel like they need to fire their uh, their training staff. <laughs> or their groundskeeper or something. S- something is wrong <laughs> with this Niners organization where – People keep getting hurt. It doesn't even feel it doesn't feel like a freak accident anymore. What, no. what keeps happening? It feels like like someone's fucking up or like some <laughs> some, some they're doing something wrong. <laughs> it's like, happened too many times. It's like it's there's got to be something going on. It's happened like consistently for the past three years, and like I don't know what they're doing over there. You know, like <laughs> what are they feeding? Even them? as a Seahawks fan, it's kind of like really, guys, like. Like again, like this is this is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I don't know, like, because they are a really good team. They are a really good team, and for them to be just like held back by injuries they once keep again, getting injured and just like not only in the preseason, they just always get injured where it really, really hurts. Like, yeah. Oh my god. It just it doesn't feel like a coincidence anymore. It I doesn't know. feel like they've had a bad streak. It feels like they're doing something wrong. Like <laughs> it feels like there's a reason this is happening and it hasn't been addressed. Even poor Brock Purdy. His yeah. shoulder his his elbow exploded. Yeah. Uh, in the game. Uh, one more narrative it's or tragic. two more narratives in the NFC. The Buccaneers didn't deserve to be there. Lol. Um F- shit, put the Falcons in there honestly. I want to see the, I want to see Mary Goda. The Seahawks <sighs> were not quite ready to face the 49ers i mean that was a great that was a great story though yeah it was a great story all in one day you know like in the first like part of like the first section of the game it looked like it was going to be really competitive which game uh the 49ers uh seahawks Seahawks game game. yeah there was a there was a point where the seahawks were really like putting up a solid fight Mm -hmm. and then i think geno smith fumbled and then 
it just kind of unraveled yeah. and well just bad play after bad play from the Seahawks and then yeah. it was just uh something they couldn't come back from I would have liked to see the Seahawks win like one or two more games especially in that season. lose in that losing stretch yeah and I think part of it was uh injuries in the defense um you know I mean Jamal Adams has just kind of been a bust at this point like blitz boy he had that one really good season but since then, he's just been injured. He had an interception in the uh, the Rams game. Yeah. No, that was Quandre Diggs. Oh, sorry. Former Lion. Former Lion, Quandre Diggs. Um, but, yeah, like, with Jamal <laughs> Adams there, we might have stood a chance against, like, the playmakers that the 49ers have on offense. Yeah, um, I think he would have been a little bit better off against Christian McCaffrey. Jordan Brooks, too, was mm-hmm. one of our best run stoppers. Didn't Tariq Woolen also? Well, didn't he have, like, a foot injury? I think he might have been playing through it and but yeah the two big ones are jamal adams and jordan brooks like those are two of our best defensive players and without them like we really we couldn't stop the run anyway but Mm -hmm. we especially couldn't stop the run without those two so um that was kind of the story of that game yeah well actually right here it says that he was injured in the first half of the rams game i don't know if he he played through it in the Mm. 49ers game i see now that's like that that's just a whole other story like your best corners now best corner yeah um Hmm. But you know, uh, we are in the playoffs, which oh, cannot be no upset. one, not a single fan of the NFL expected. Right. Um, so it's a, it's still a, a good story. Yeah. Nobody um, ever expected the Lions to no, be. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> and the Lions and the Seahawks are in very similar situations right now. I know. It's you, almost you, like you owe us one. It's almost insane how like similar their situations are because. The Lions and the Seahawks both have these quarterbacks who have kind of been underlooked um, over their careers, maybe for different reasons, um, or cast aside, and now have like this have kind of had a resurgence um, on their respective teams. A career renaissance. And when you look at their stats, they're pretty similar. Uh, You know, like they're they're kind of neck and neck in like a lot of different categories uh, Mm -hmm. uh, this past season in the NFL. and, you know, a lot of young players on both teams, they both had a similar record. I think that's probably the biggest similarity is just there's a lot of – I got to – I mean, I got to give – Draft I gotta, capital. I got to give props for props, too. Like, I love the Seahawks rookies. Like, super fun to watch. I yeah, mean, yeah. Kenneth Walker is fantastic. Like, oh, God, such he's a got, pure he's, runner. He's like, very uh, – he's got a twitch to him. He's got a fast twitch. Right. And then you have DK Metcalf. You still yeah. have Tyler Lockett, who I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tyler Lockett. Lock it up, baby. Um, and then, of course, on the defensive side, you're building. Nobody expected your defense to be any good. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, now you got a revered secondary, which is mm-hmm. just always super-duper exciting. I think the only difference in terms of the Lions and the Seahawks is that I feel like the Seahawks, the Seahawks' success for next year is a little bit more dependent on how you guys draft, in my opinion. Like, I feel like the Lions nece- maybe are not necessarily, like, super duper in a like in a like do or die situation where they have to draft like a big defensive guy like i feel like right. they can they can still kind of succeed but i, I want to see the seahawks really get a big guy to move up to that next level and go on a deep playoff run well another thing that the lions and the seahawks share in common is having very high draft picks that's true and there's a at pick number five which the seahawks have right. there's a very high likelihood uh assuming that someone trades up um, into the top four 
which is seems pretty likely this year when there's two teams that don't need a quarterback. Right. Chicago especially, I think, might trade down. Um, they should. Because what you can get for the number one overall pick, like Chicago has so many holes on their roster. Uh, if they're smart, I think they'd trade down, try and get multiple picks um, over the next couple years. They could. But knowing the Chicago Bears, they're probably just going to They draft. might just draft. They like, might literally just draft. Who, I mean, I don't even know. Jalen Carter or Will Anderson probably. Yeah, um, one of those two. And if they don't trade back, the Cardinals probably will. So I think that there is a there is a significant chance that either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, the two best defensive prospects of this draft, can fall to five. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it's a guaranteed chance because they are the two of the best prospects this year. Right. Um, but – there is a solid chance that that happens, which would be huge. Right, because the the Texans and the Colts and... Texans, Colts both need quarterbacks. I Um, mean, the Raiders if they don't get Aaron Rodgers. Um, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers. The Jets probably need a quarterback too. Jets, yeah, that's that's at least like five teams that probably could trade up. Commanders, Panthers, Titans. Commanders probably won't, I think. The Commanders, because they seem like they're okay with Sam Howell. Sam Howell? Yeah. He was their he quarterback. Played, he only played, like, what, two games? Two games, but I think they're what they're saying right now is that he is their, uh, the projected person that they're going to run with next year. Okay. Because um, he did show okay. quite a bit of promise in the final game that he played. Um, so, uh, and it seems like the team's behind him. So, I don't. given that information, I don't see them making a huge swing move to go up for a quarterback, um, but I don't know. Anything can happen if one of them falls. Yeah. But I, I want to see. I want to see the Buccaneers trade up. Maybe the Buccaneers they could trade up for a quarterback as well. Yeah, they don't have any. They don't really have any capital. I want to see like probably the Jets are going to trade up. I'd say I don't think they believe in Mike yeah. White. And they have a team. I think that with a competent quarterback could really make an impression. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers go. To the, the Jets. Jets. That would be interesting. Just get him um, out of the NFC. And another thing to mention about the Seahawks is that they have a lot of cap space to work with. That's true. Um, What's your cap space? I was looking at a graph uh, that was like assessing where teams are mm-hmm. in terms of how much cap space and uh, draft capital they have. Like, yeah. um, And Seahawks were firmly in the the highest in terms of like the avail- like the assets that they have. Yeah, you guys are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in cap space, Lions in tenth. We are rocking with thirty one million dollars. Yeah. So how both big in good is, positions. How big say. is Geno Smith's contract, by the way? This year? Yeah. Is three million. Oh Jesus. So he's gonna be resigned to something. I don't I think the Seahawks Okay, no, you guys have a lot to play with then. Yeah. See, my hope is that but there's he, no. He's a free agent now. Okay. So he needs okay, to be never resigned. mind. Never mind. So they'll probably give him like what ten mil just to rock for another two years or so. Yeah, I imagine so. See where it goes. See, I've just been. My dad's been sending me articles. I, I feel so bad. I I'm really bad at responding to texts from my family members just because it's like it's like one of those things. Like I see him and I'm like, oh, me too. Like they me love too. me. I'm gonna respond whenever I can. But like I feel bad. He's in Orlando. He's on a business trip. I wanna. I'll probably call him tomorrow. But he he keeps sending me links of the the Lamar Jackson Lions talk, and I'm like I'm completely like I I was originally I was like no fucking way. Like it'd be awesome, but the more I start to <laughs> the more I start to think about it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense because I think that Jared Goff he has a hefty contract. How We're, much? 
I think it was whatever the Rams were signing. You know, Jared Goff had some really good seasons in St. Louis, went to the Super Bowl, got a pretty big deal, and then he got traded like the next year. So we the Lions picked up that contract for Matthew Stafford and two future first-round picks. That being said, I think that Jared Goff could still be traded. I think that if the Lions are able to ship him off with the rest of his contract, that frees up about $10 million in extra cap space. Probably get like a little extra. I don't know if that's enough for Lamar, <laughs> to be honest. I'm, I don't know. You might be able to restructure. They could do like a, I mean, they could do like a seven-year $250 million for Lamar, get it within like $30 million now, and then start paying him a little bit later. I think it, it, could, it could work. Yeah, and I don't know if the Lions are in win-now mode. That's the only thing. Like, mm. I feel like they're still pretty young. I mean, are the Seahawks in win-now mode? Um, I think more so than the Lions in terms of, like, the age of some of the players on the team. All right, that's fair. Um, like, guys like Quandre Diggs, Jamal Adams, um, yeah. they're getting up there in age. Tyler Lockett, he's, he's like, 33. 33 yeah. Um, some guys on the defensive line, uh, on the offensive line, too. And Geno Smith is not young either if we re-sign him. No. He's 33 or 34, I think. Um, so I'd say Seahawks also with Pete Carroll as a head coach, like he's never going to say no to competing. Um, like that's just who he is as a head coach. Yeah. Um, so my money's on them probably going all in on trying to win um, for better or worse. And if they hit another out-of-the-park draft, then maybe that window is open for next year. Yeah. I guess that's what I was kind of thinking about. Like, your your line of reasoning with, like, some of the guys are, in fact, getting up there. So I think if they really do hit it out of the park, they have a really, really good shot. They the have window's a pretty, open, I think. Have you looked at their schedule for next year? I did. I think it was a pretty tough one. Let's see here in 2023. I looked at the Lions. It's about the same as, as this year. If anything, it's just a little easier just because the NFC got. The NFC East. The NFC, the NFC North, North. Yeah, just yeah. got a little easier. Chicago sucks. Green Bay is probably not going to be very good. Vikings will. I mean, they're frauds now, so but they'll probably still be okay, though. They'll be the most formidable. Yeah. So Seahawks got Cardinals, Rams, Niners, Eagles, Commanders, Browns, Steelers, Panthers, Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, Cowboys, Giants, Ravens, Bengals, Lions, and Titans. I think you guys could probably get ten wins out of that. Yeah, it's a tough season, though. Yeah, I know you got uh, just the. That's NFC. not a number one seed season. The NFC West is just so, so brutal. Like yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It is. It's brutal. Um, if the Rams and the Cardinals decide to be awful again, it won't be so bad. <laughs> um, but the 49ers are probably not going to take a step back, and we still got games against the Titans. We got games against nah. the entire of the NFC uh, East, and they're all really good. That's true. The Browns could be all right. The Browns, yeah. I mean, I hope they aren't. Um, <laughs> I hope they forever just remain forever sh- like sink purgatory. into mediocrity. Just yeah. no happiness for them. Sorry, Cleveland. Mm. Yeah, you, you guys got the Cavs. You guys deserve better. Yeah, the Cavs are good. The Cavs are great. <laughs> I like the Cavs. I don't. I mean, for what little I know about basketball, they just seem like a they just seem like a fun team. They are a fun team. <laughs> they are. Fun. You got that right. Yeah, looking at free agents too. Um, there are some big ones. There's some. For the Seahawks, I'm kind of looking at Deron Payne. He's on here. Michael Thomas is on here. I'm trying to think for your I don't guys. Think Michael Tom- Mike Gusecki and Dalton Schultz could be a really good pickup. Not for the Seahawks, I don't think. What? Who are they? Who's their tight end? Noah Fant. Um, Boo. I just don't see the 
tight end position as a huge weakness on the Seahawks. Like I think they're they need a tight end. They're in win now mode, Finn. They gotta think, get a good tight end. I think there are positions that like the Seahawks could maximize and focus on a lot more yeah. than tight end. All right. I think for I guess for linemen, the big the big name right now is Orlando Brown on the Chiefs. But he's probably gonna get offensive lineman? Left tackle, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the offensive line for the Seahawks could maybe use a guard and a center. Yeah, because um, you, you guys picked up Charles Cross. Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Yeah. And they were, they've were they both, both been, pretty, been good pretty good for the rookie say. season. So we're looking at guards and centers in the draft. And then also we're looking at um, anyone on the defensive line, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole basically all the Eagles' defensive line is on – Looks like it is on free agency right now. You got Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn, and Javon Hargrave or Grave Hargrave. Sorry, I mean, one of those guys is gonna walk. And if yeah. the Seahawks, the Seahawks definitely have enough money to shell it out. I mean, all these guys are signed for about fourteen mil. They're all in their thirties. They could probably get one of the a veteran guy for ten mil, probably. I'm I'm looking at Deron Payne. That's that's the guy I want Mm-mm-mm. um for I the Seahawks. Him. I think. Him on that offense on that defensive line, uh, Boye Mafe, who we drafted this past year, yeah. he's kind of emerged slowly as a consistent guy. He's been really good against the run. Um, uh, he's been one of those players that actually is reliable against the run, but he still needs to develop his chops as a pass rusher. But having a guy who can be there with him, who can also provide pressure, uh, would benefit him hugely. And that's also why having drafting someone like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter would be so huge for this team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I think we should move on to basketball. You want to talk about basketball? Yeah. I'll talk about basketball. Because uh, there's a lot going on in the basketball world. Enlighten us, Finn. Enlighten me specifically. I, I know we talk. We were just watching the the Suns-Clippers game. Yeah. Did they win, by the way, the Clippers? The Clippers did win, oh, yeah. nice. That's so. Great. The trade deadline just passed in the basketball world. Oh, yes. The trade deadline just passed, and with that came a lot of action this year. And, you know, it kind of felt like there was nothing going on over the course of the season up to this point. Nope. But it almost – people were like, why is there nothing going on? Like, it's going to be just like a season where everyone just kind of sits. Right. But I felt like it was more of like a kettle boiling, and it was about to, like, pop. It was was like – You want to talk blockbusters? Four-way deal. Four-way deals, Pistons, Warriors. <laughs> but honestly, one of the <laughs> smallest deals of the, of the deadline. We lost Sadiq Bay. Sadiq, <laughs> fifty money, Sadiq Bay. So you got James Wiseman for Sadiq Bay, uh, and we also gave away. Oh, you sh- gave away something. Yeah, we gave away someone else too. Wow. Oh shit. That's an L. Yeah. And, wait, 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 wait. And Kevin Knox. We gave away Kevin Knox okay. as well. God forbid. But. I'd take Sadiq Bay over James Wiseman any day. Really? Yeah. I'm excited. I want to see him have a... James Wiseman's never going to drop 50 in an NBA game. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's never going <laughs> to score 50 points. Yeah. And he's, never, he's probably never going to score 30. I'll bet, I'll, I'll, I, I bet that James Wiseman has one 30-point game. Here's what confused me about that trade. You guys just drafted a center in Jalen Duran. Right. Who's really good. Who's really good. 19 so, and also. So why? He's 19. He's younger than you and me. He's the youngest player in the NBA. He's, he was born in 2003. Weird. Um, and why, why would 
they want James Wiseman is my question. Like, why would, if you just drafted this center and he looks good, why are you picking up this center who couldn't even, like, just kept on getting sent to the G League? I don't know. Right. And, you know, he was a high pick back in the day. Right. But it's just, like, it just it's a very, like, confusing move to me for a team that, like, had an asset in Sadiq Bey that I really liked. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I actually, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm going to say. Just because, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm still learning the positions, too. Yeah, so <laughs> let me go over it. Center is the big man. Right. The that, big, that's like, James that's, Wiseman. That's your that's your, uh, your Hakeem Olajuwans, your Shaqs, your uh, Jokic, right. your Embiid. The um, big man. The big man. And generally, you run one big man on the court at a time. Um and so, like, there's not really space for Jalen Duran and James Wiseman to play at the same time unless you're running, like, a really big lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, like, one of those positions where having – it's really good to have one good center and then a solid backup center so that in the m- minutes where your starting center is out, right, you're not just, like dis- – you're not fucked. Their center is Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. Yeah. He's really good. Well, and he's, he's yeah, a, good enough. He's Yeah, he's a good – backup center in the NBA and like he's a good three-point shooter right and so it's like I feel like it makes sense for them to have that synergy with the young guy Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart like you have Isaiah Stewart's a little bit more defensively minded and then like Jalen Duran who's the young guy gonna get a lot of minutes and get more experience yeah um that's it's just James Wiseman is such a strange uh pickup to me right I guess um but that's only one of the deals, and that's not even a right. big deal. Uh, the biggest one, I think, is that uh, Kevin Durant oh, was went moved, to the Suns. Went, yeah. was, went to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, it's been talked about for a really long time, actually. Uh, he was on the Nets. What, KD going to the Suns? Yeah, actually. Really? Last year, I didn't know that. Last year before the trade deadline, people uh, were talking about that as well. Look at that. KD, last year, he requested a trade. And it that. didn't get fulfilled, but one of the destinations he was looking at was the Suns. What other destinations? There were a few. There was um, the Pistons. Obviously. No, it was it was the Celtics. I think might have been one. The Suns. Uh, the Grizzlies might have been one. And then back um, to the Warriors, because I feel like all a. I don't think he wanted to go back to the Warriors, um, but the Suns was like his top destination, and last year it didn't happen. And it didn't really seem like it was going to happen after this offseason because this guy, Rudy Gobert, another center, uh, he got traded uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves from the Jazz. And he got traded for a mountain of draft picks, like an insane amount. From the Suns. From from the Jazz. Okay. Uh, Yeah. The Jazz gave them a bunch of draft picks. No. So the Timberwolves... Got Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. Okay. And the Jazz, in return, got, like, four first-round picks. Okay. And, like, like more than that. Like, it was insane amount of draft capital. Wait, so what does um, this have to do with Kevin Durant and the Suns, then? Well, the issue with this is that means that Kevin Durant is much better. It's the same idea as Christian Kirk uh, being given a, sh- a lot of money. Right. Is where now that Rudy Gobert was traded for four firsts, you know, like, the Nets want six right like seven because rudy gobert is not kevin durant because rudy gobert isn't kevin durant but but nobody's willing to give you seven first round picks okay i see 
you know, especially since oh, Kevin Durant. And that happened last year. And that happened, which la- is why that the happened trade la- fell through. this past offseason. Oh. Um, and so. Oh, okay. And so, especially not going to give a bunch of draft picks for Kevin Durant um, when Kevin Durant isn't young. Like, he's, he's an old player and he's getting injured um, more often now. Mm-hmm. So, giving out all these future draft picks for someone who might not be on your team very long before he retires, mm-hmm. that can screw you over, like, for the future. Yeah. So it it's like, but what ended up happening is Kevin Durant got traded to the Suns for like way cheaper than he probably was like worth. They did five first round picks though, or four first round picks, a, a first round pick swap, and two second round picks. And Macau Bridges and Cam Johnson. Right. right. Well, that's the that's a lot. That's a lot. But we're talking about Kevin Durant, who's a top ten. Like top twenty player, player all time, no, oh, well, not all in the time. NBA all time. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, so, you know, four firsts isn't especially for a team like the Suns where they're trying to win and win now. They have most of their picks. Right. Um, it's not that crazy. Uh, and I think the reason it wasn't more than that is because since Kyrie was gone already right he was gone to the mavericks which is another trade another that happened the nets sold both of their stars Kyrie and kevin there durant goes Kyrie. yeah so Kyrie went to the mavericks right um that makes no sense to me by the way so we'll i'll get into that in a second but <laughs> yeah, we're gonna wrap up the sun's point yeah we, we have three minutes so yeah. i'm gonna i'll go through this quick but yeah. basically because Kyrie had already left KD wasn't going to win anything on the Nets. No. He wanted out. He clearly wanted out. Like, um, I don't know if he would have even played for the for the Nets. And they, the Nets realized like, okay, we're we're this is this era is over. We're and it's they, done. And I think it was smart of them to like finally just like recognize that and just cut bait. And that's what they did. They took an offer, a really good offer, like that gave them four firsts and two really mm-hmm. good players. Um, and they just they're happy with that. And now they don't have to deal with either of those problems anymore. Either of those players that were giving them a headache, they're just gone. Okay. Now, what did the what did the Mavs have to give up for Kyrie? They gave up some good players and probably some picks, but less than KD, um, less than the deal for KD. They but gave up Dimwitty, Spencer Dimwitty, and Dorian Finney-Smith, and two future second round picks. Was that it? And. Yeah, they traded Kyrie and Markeith Morris for Spencer Dimwitty, Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first round pick in 2029 and two future second round picks. Now here's the question, did the Nets overall make like net profit if that makes sense? Um I would say no, but I would also say yes. I don't think it's as simple as that. Like in terms of valuing assets, like the Nets instantly went from these like assets that are players are assets that are real right right? whereas draft picks are assets that don't exist right here we have these tangible players these tangible players who are going to score points for us and win us games right and so they turn those players into assets that don't exist Mm -hmm. which means that like it's hard to say because a player is always going to be worth more than these picks but the nets were never going to win anything and i think in the end, like, yes, like, this is good, like, for them. Cause they, they, they cut bait. They cut bait, and they got, like, a lot of stuff out of it. And I think with the assets that they have now, they have a bunch of good players on their roster now from these trades, too, 
that they can offload. They've got some really good young players too. They've got Ben Simmons. They've got, <laughs> yeah, they've got uh, Nick Claxton is a guy I'm thinking of. Cam Johnson, mm-hmm. who just had three 40-point games in a row. He's good. He, now he has space to develop as the primary scorer for the Nets. They have Mikael Bridges, who's also they have really Mikael good. Bridges, right? So it's the team isn't as bad as I think people are going to think it's going to be. Like they don't have maybe that one huge star, but it's a team of of like hardworking like people who like promising guys promising young guys who really like want to prove themselves you know so so in like three years with all these first round picks now who knows i think the nets are probably the nets owners are probably sleeping better now yeah okay that sounds like a net profit to me i would say I would say that seems like pretty good. I mean, I like, would be happier now if I was a Nets. I would say as a Nets fan, how do you? How would you think you feel? Probably, that's tough. Uh, I mean, do the Nets even have fans? Yeah, they do, but not very many. But yeah, I think I would. I would still be happy. I would be like relieved. Yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of feel bad for the Nets because I mean, imagine having like the New York. Knicks. And you got to yeah, and then the, the Knicks. Brooklyn Nets. It's like in Chicago. It's like oh, the Chicago Cubs. Then it's like the Southside White Sox. It's yeah, like you feel like a, you're like okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like shit. It's like the Clippers and the Lakers. Yeah, the L.A. Clippers, and then it's just might as well be the fucking California Lakers. Yeah, might as well. Um, but yeah, so that's all the time we have today. We Dang. covered a lot of ground, though. I think we did. That was really. I feel like that's everything I wanted to, to talk about, and that I didn't have enough. That I didn't have a radio show to expel. Yeah. And it's going to be our format for this uh, coming semester. A lot more. It's going to be more of a talk show. Um, a bit more freeform. Um, but you bet we're going to cover the biggest news in the sports world. Because that's what we are. We're good, bad news. We're good, bad, more news. We're sports, good sports news, news, more bad. Good, good sports, more in news. Bad, more, good sports. I am Finn is fine. I'm Ryan, the permanent guest. You've just been listening to... Good, bad, more, sports, news. More. More. Bad. And as always, catch us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram. Spotify. And if you're listening live, make sure to stay tuned. At the top of the hour, we got the incomparable same wavelength radio. That's right. I'm so excited for them to be back. Me too. We'll see you all next week. Sham it. I'll see you later.